purpose of this series is the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the intent of this series is really twofold. The intent of this series is, is twofold. One, uh, it's to let people who have really never heard much about the Holy Spirit, never mo- heard much about uh, the Holy Spirit. It's for those individuals who maybe for a variety of reasons, your life and, and, and in your life or during your life, you've never really had very much teaching or exposure to what God says about the Holy Spirit. So number one, you could be in that category. The second category you could be in is that uh, maybe, you know, you had a very close relationship with the Holy Spirit at one point in time. Your relationship was very strong. He was very active in your life and, and, and moving in your life. Uh, but for one reason or the other, it seems like maybe he's taken a back seat. So the second category of individuals that this series is for is individuals, again, who just need to wake up to the fact that the greatest person on the planet lives within you. The, 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 the greatest genius on the planet lives within you. Is there anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit that lives within us? He's absolutely amazing. He, he's the most brilliant, the, the greatest friend you'll ever have is, is, is the Holy Spirit. So it, it's to expose for the first time or awaken individuals to the fact that, that, um, that the Holy Spirit is alive and he's real and that we can have a personal relationship with him. Can somebody say amen to that? Let, let, me, um, let, me, let me share with you an experience that the great Apostle Paul had. If you're not familiar with that name, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was an apostle. <laughs> That's the reason they called him the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and he was in the Bible. Uh, and, and he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Great man, great, great, uh, great person to study. So um, as an apostle, he just went to different places and preached the gospel, helped get church, uh, churches started in different areas. And, and so he's, he's um, this is after the beginning of the church, the New Testament church, the church that we are a part of today. Let me make, say this real clear. You have to understand, this is so important, you have to understand that the church that we read about in the book of Acts, the genesis of the church in the book of Acts, we are part of the same church. Get that. We're part of the same church. We're not part of a different church. We might be living in a different time. We may be living in a different season, but we're part of the same church, part of the same body of Christ. Amen. And so he's walking along. God's been moving in the churches. He's been walking along. People are getting saved and man, revival. It's awesome. He's walking along and he meets these two disciples. He meets these two people who've accepted Jesus as their savior. And he asked them a question. Acts 19 two, he said, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So he, he sees these two individuals. He sees these guys. And he says, hey, it's good to see you, man. You, congratulations. You've been born again. And Jesus is, the, Jesus is your Savior. It's great. And you're a new creation in Christ. That's amazing. But I got a question for you. And the question is this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were born again? Anybody tell you about the Holy Spirit? Listen to the answer. Listen to the answer. Now, the answer, uh, they answered and said, no, watch this. We've not even heard that there is one. We, we've never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Today, I believe many would answer Paul's questions the same way. I believe a lot of people today in the church, they, they love Jesus. They, they've heard about Jesus. They've even accepted Jesus as their Savior. And they've heard about the Heavenly Father. And just like we said earlier, how madly in love that he is with us. And that's the reason he sent Jesus. And he wants that relationship with us. And they, they've heard about th- those two. Those two. But, but, but we really hadn't heard much about the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, and what we have heard often is a little bit scary. <laughs> 
Number one, Holy Spirit. You know, Holy Spirit, sometimes people go, oh, that's just kind of odd. Why can't we just stick with, you know, God the Father and God the Son? Why do we have to have the Holy Spirit? Well, again, the reason that we need the Holy Spirit is, and we'll see it in just a moment, is because we need the Holy Spirit. That's brilliant, right? The reason we need the Holy Spirit is because we need the Holy Spirit. So I want you to use your imagination just for a moment. Use your imagination. And, and I know the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? If you're born again, he lives in you. Amen? Amen? Are we all on the same page? So, so let's imagine that, that, yes, he's in you, but let's imagine he's sitting right beside you. Now, now turn to your neighbor and say, you're not him. So anyway... <laughs> All right, but just imagine, just imagine. All right, I know they're great, they're a great friend, whatever, but, but they're not the Holy Spirit, right? Now, now unless, unless you're married and, well, never mind. Sometimes they can sure sound like him. But anyway, in a good way, I mean that in a good way, right? No stones, please. Um, and so, so let's just imagine that the Holy Spirit is sitting beside you and he leans over to you and he asks you this question. He asks you, who am I? Who, who, who am I? He just leans over and he says, hey, who am I? What would your answer be? Would your answer be the same as these individuals in, in Acts 19 too? Or, or would you go, I know who you are. We talk all the time. You're my best friend. You're the one that gives me this incredible wisdom because everybody knows I'm not smart enough to do what I do without you. Amen. What? Would you say if he leaned over and whispered, who am I? What would be your answer? Now, don't answer that aloud, but answer that on the inside. And it's a critical question. Here's why. Because there is a big difference between who he's understood to be and who he really is. Today, there, there is a big difference. There's a gap. There's a gap between who, he's under, who we understand him to be and, and who he really is, the role that God sent him to play in our life and the role that we allow him to play in our life. Often there can be a big difference. There can be a big gap there. Amen. And, and so, so I wanted to, as I was praying and thinking about how do I approach this this morning, I was, how do I frame this? What's the, what's the groundwork that I'm going to lay to communicate this incredible fact about the Holy Spirit? And I, I decided this way. I decided to approach it this way. I believe the Holy Spirit helped me do it. And that is, is, is that one of the ways that we need to describe the nature of the landscape uh, that we live in is a battlefield. One of the ways to describe the nature of this landscape that we're living in, that we're walking in, that we're moving in, that we're living in, that this place that we're, we're at as believers, how, how, we, how can we accurately describe this landscape? Well, the, the truth is, it's not a playground, it's a battlefield. Amen. I'm going to say that again. It's not a playground, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a battlefield. And some people say, well, Pastor John, I like the playgrounds. I didn't, and, and I'm more of a lover, I'm not a fighter. Well, let, let me say this. Uh, I think it's good to be a lover. And I think it's good that we should have time and, and have great times. And we should have great times. And we should have fun as believers. How many can say amen to that? How many believe that, that being a believer shouldn't be boring? Amen. All right. All right. But, but also the other side of it, the other side of it, there's a real landscape that, that, man, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a battlefield and not always in the playground. And there are times that we love because we've been loved. We love the way that God's loved us. That's important. But there are times, listen to me, you got to take the gloves off because we're on a battlefield. There has been a wage, uh, a war waged against darkness. Amen. And there's also been a war waged against you as believers and me as believers. 
So Jesus gives us this glimpse in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. If you've been around here, you've probably never heard this scripture before. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus has asked Peter a question and, and Peter responds back to what Jesus has asked him concerning, Jesus asked him, um, who do people say that I am? Or he asked all the disciples and Peter spoke up and he said this. He said, now I say to you, uh, Peter said, I know who you are, you are the Messiah. Jesus' response to Peter's answer was, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, watch this, and upon this rock I will build my church. Aren't you thankful that that's our mission right there? That is what we're here to do. We are here to be be a part of building the church of Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? I got to keep moving here, but I could stay there a long time. But then, but then Jesus went on to say this. He said, he said and, 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 and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. In other words, Jesus says, all right, this is what I see coming. This is what I see happening. Then he was seeing our today. And then Jesus also includes us, the church being built. Then also he says, hey, let me, let me show you something. Let me tell you something else, guys. It's a battlefield. It's a battlefield. There's some resistance going. There's some resistance. He says, I see it. It's going to happen. Because he said, and the powers of hell will not what? Conquer it. Someone said this. I love this. Someone said that outside opposition plus divine call equals sustained urgency. Outside opposition plus divine call equals sustained urgency. Outside opposition versus what? Divine call equals what? Sustained urgency. I love that. Because really, really, it, it really uh, it goes along with what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 16. You say, what, what do you mean by that? Our divine, call is, our divine call is to see the church of Jesus Christ built. Can somebody say amen to that? That's our divine call. That's what God cares about. That's what God wants. That's what God is asking us to do. That is our call. But there's also, there's also a resistance. There's also a, an outside opposition. And what is it? He said that. He said that the powers of hell will not overpower it. So when we realize that we've got this divine call, but there's also some outside opposition, it should create an urgency on the inside of us that we can't just sit around and play. You guys missed a great opportunity to say amen there. But this urgency that says, you know what? I don't have time to waste. And specifically, uh, I've got to make sure, listen to this, have a sustained urgency, urgency to say, listen, I cannot allow the Holy Spirit to be on the sidelines in my life. To have this urgency to say, say, I can't allow the Holy Spirit just to be, just to be a silent partner in my life. Because far too often, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He is there, but listen to me, he's there, but he's, there's no partnership. He's just there. Do, do you know that it's possible, it's possible for the Holy Spirit to be present in your life, but just because he's present in your life doesn't mean that you experience and have the benefits of his presence. He, he can be present in your life, and you go, I don't believe that. I mean, if, if a person, if you're, in, if you're present with someone, then you would experience their presence. Oh, no, that's not true. Do you know it's possible for two people to stay in the same room, to be in the same room? They're present in the same room, but they're not experiencing each other's what? Presence. Happens in marriages all the time. One's cruising on the television, I mean, just surfing. Other one's ever going, no, swipe right, swipe right. I was going the wrong way. Right? 
And so, listen, listen, I believe that's what God is saying in this series, and not just in this series, every day. We've got to have an urgency to, to allow the Holy Spirit to have the, the place that he deserves and fulfill the mission that he has, was sent to fulfill in our life. Can somebody say amen to that? It's like, oh, I can't just sit around and allow it. Allow him to sit on the, on the outside, but not to be a silent partner. So, so here, here's the main point that I want to make. It's just one of the main points. Battles aren't won with bullets and bombs. Battles are won with words. Battles aren't won with bullets and bombs. Battles are won with words, specifically languages. If you go back and study history and you study wars, if we could bring the great generals and the great leaders, even the ancient leaders, you start with the ancient leaders and you bring them forward and you put them on this platform. And you said, what is the number one thing that you need in order to win a battle, to win a war? You know what they're going to say? The ancient ones are not going to say you need swords or you need, uh, you, you need, you need things that are made out of hardened steel. The, the, new, the, the newer uh, commanders or the more recent commanders are not going to say, you need even smarter weaponry, and we all need that, right? And we, we, we need those things. I believe every one of them would say this, you need communication. That language is one of the most important things. About, matter of fact, the ancients, the ancient soldiers, excuse me, ancient leaders and the ancient generals, one of the first things that they did, one of the most important parts of their military was that they had runners that would take messages to, from one place, from the, from the back to the front, from the front to the back, to the place where there was engagement, to the back, so that the leaders could communicate. That was one of the first things that they got in place because they knew if they didn't have that, if they didn't have the runners, they were done. There's no way they could win a battle. And this is why one of the most powerful weapons that a believer has is prayer. Because prayer is communication. Prayer is communication with God. How many loves to pray? Okay. Some of you are like, I'm not sure. <laughs> There's been a lot of people like, I didn't raise my hand. Or maybe you just didn't raise your hand because you didn't want to, but you really love prayer. Because, listen to me, the, the reality of it is we all need to fall in love with prayer. And, and prayer is just not always going talking about talking to God about what you need. Pray, prayer is just spending time with God talking. Go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Do you know that God communicated with Adam and Eve? Right? Cool the day. We go hang out. It's God time. Adam and Eve. It was just God time. God's awesome. Man, so good to see you. That's before they had kids. Right? That was before they had kids. So he didn't, they didn't talk to him about, God, help me with these teenagers. Help me with the teenagers. Now, I love teenagers. You guys are awesome. Help me with the kids. Help me with the money. Help me. They, they, they lived in perfection. So what did they talk with God about if it wasn't just, they didn't have problems? Are you following me? It was communion with God. And, and that's, that's what prayer should be like with us. It's just daily having communion with God, talking with God, saying, what's up, God? I could never say what's up to God. Maybe you should start. Maybe that's a great way to start your prayer. Hey, God, what's up? Father, I just, just love you today. But prayer is communicating with God. It's using your language. It's using a language. 
with God. Listen to what 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Aren't you thankful that we can be confident in approaching God? Anybody thankful for that? This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Watch this. And if we know he hears us, we got confidence, right? Whatever we ask, we know that we have him. Excuse me. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Isn't that great? Isn't that good news? It's confident we have approaching God. Communication. Listen to Ephesians 6, 18. It says, and, and, and pray in the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with, watch this, with all kinds of prayers. So here Paul is uh, talking about praying. Prayer is good. Everybody say prayer is good. He's talking about praying. And then he says, he uses a word in there I think is very interesting. He said all kinds of prayers. So that must mean there are more than one kind of prayer. Right? He said, he said, he said I, I, I encourage you that you pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That means pray all the time. With all what? Kinds of prayer. There's different kinds of prayer. Now, now, the, the, the prayer that I'm going to talk about this morning holds tremendous potential for every Christian and every believer. Every, 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 every believer, every Christian. It's this particular kind of prayer that I'm going to talk about. It's praying in tongues. Praying in, and some people are like, oh, my gosh, you're going to talk about praying in tongues in church. Well, that's a great place to talk about it, right? <laughs> but the, the reality of it is, is there, there's, been, there's, been a, there's, a, there's, there's been a lot of confusion over it, but that's nothing new. Confusion over tongues is nothing new. It, it, it's, it's nothing new. As a matter of fact, the genesis of the church that we're a part of, which is the book of Acts, right? It's the genesis of the church that we're part of today. Let's, let's step back in time. Let's see what happens. So they're all in the upper room. Over Around 500 were invited to this thing that Jesus told them to go hang out there, be there, and about 120 of them hung out. How many, important, how many know it's important to obey what God says so that obedience will always put you at the right place at the right time? So several hundred of them just left. They're like, oh, nothing's happening. I'm out of here. How many knows it's important to hang around? Because God may not always move in your time frame. How many knows it's important to be still because God may not always work in your time frame the way that you think he's going to work? But let me tell you something. I got this great message. It's great. I'm not bragging, but it's really good. All about being in the right place at the right time. Obedience, I'm telling you, obedience will keep you in the right place at the right time. And they did. 120 hung around. So Holy Spirit came in. This is what happens. All of them, Acts 2, 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. Talking about confusion. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Go down to verse 6. It says uh, there were a bunch of people around. This was a, a celebration and it was a big celebration that the Jews had, a part of their Jewish tradition. So there were people everywhere in Jerusalem. Acts 2, 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude, people in the street, came together and were what? They were. They were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And then Peter gets up. Peter gets up. There's confusion. But Peter gets up and he brings clarity. How does he do that? Acts 2, 15 and 16. Uh, these individuals are not drunk, as you suppose. Peter's preaching. He's talking to those individuals. There's confusion. And uh, for it's um, only 9 o'clock in the morning. Verse 16 says, no, this is what was spoken of through the prophet who Joel. So what Peter did is that Peter got up. People were speaking in tongues. People were praying and speaking in tongues. They heard it in the street. There was confusion. So, so Peter got up and he says, guys, 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 this is just what the Bible says. This is just what the scriptures are saying. 
And so he used the scriptures to bring clarity. He, he used the scriptures to bring what? Clarity. How many would say we need clarity in the body of Christ in a lot of different areas concerning God, but especially when it comes to tongues? They just, just got to have, have that clarity. Because, and here's why. People have a tendency to distance themselves or criticize what they don't understand. If they don't understand it, they're like, mm, I don't want that. If I don't understand it, oh, must be of the devil. Let me, let me just say this. Let me just say this. There, any doctrine in the Bible has gotten out of balance. You can't find it. Over the years, there's been confusion. And let me just say, how do you do that? You always just come back to what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? So I'm going to give you three truths this morning concerning what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Okay? In regards to this language, this language, because we're not living on a playground. We're living on a what? A what? Battlefield, right? And language and prayer is a language that we use to commune with God. And so, uh, number one, truth number one, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. If you're not taking notes, write it down. Number one, truth number one is the Holy Spirit is your helper. The Holy Spirit, remember we talked about a moment ago, uh, he's sitting beside you and you, you leaned over, and, or he leaned over to you and he said, uh, he said, who am I? You know what the right answer would be? You're my helper. That's the right answer. Uh, in, in verse uh, John 14, 16, and 17, it says, And I will pray. Jesus is talking here. And I will pray the Father, and he will, uh, he will give you another what? He will give you another what? That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither, watch this, it neither sees him or knows him. In other words, they can't visually see him. How many of those that you cannot see the Holy Spirit, but you can see the effects of him in your life? Better amen than that. I'll talk about that in a moment. But you can see the effects of him in your life, but, uh, or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, watch this, and will be what, where? So when he was, what he was saying, he dwells with you, but there is a day coming where he'll be where he will be. In you, in you, in you, in you. So what day is that? That day that he was talking about, the, 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 when he was saying there's a day coming where he'll be in you, that day is today. It's the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in the side of you. He's there right now. I said earlier he was beside you, but actually he's in you. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit that lives in you? He's a person, that's, he's a person to help you. He lives in you. His presence is there to help you. His power is there to help you. But here's what I need you to understand. I need you to understand this about the Holy Spirit. He's not a doer. He's not the doer. He didn't say, I'm going to send you another doer. I'm going to send you another helper. I'm not going to send you another doer. I'm going to send you another what? Helper. If you study it in the Greek, the word helper there, it's where parakletos, what it actually means is one who comes along beside. One who comes along beside. You got to get this. Got to get this. Holy Spirit lives in you to help you. Point number one, truth number one. The Bible says, Jesus said it. There it is. But, but it's, it's a helper. It's someone who comes along beside you. Let me just use this example. Let's say I had a, let's say I had a bar up here and a weightlifting bar. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, man, about time you started talking about bars. No, I'm not. No, I'm talking about 
thought she was going to bring that up in Acts 2. And Peter talked about they're not drunk. It's only 9 o'clock. They don't happen until 6 o'clock in the evening. So anyway, <laughs> never mind. I'm sorry. I just went off there. Anyway, <laughs> it just came out. I don't know. It just does that sometimes. Uh, but let, let's just imagine that I've got a, 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 I've got a bar, a, a, a bar, a bar, like a weight bar. And let's say we've got, um, you, you guys put like 800 pounds of plates on it, right? And, and you say, okay, Pastor John, at, at 100 and whatever, um, I want you to pick that up, deadlift that, you know, 800 pounds. I'm going to be like, seriously? Uh-uh. I, I, I wouldn't even attempt it. You know why? There's no way this 160 pounds is going to pick up that 800 pounds. That's not going to happen. So you know what I'd do? I'd say, Trey. Come on up here, man. Trey, get, get up here. So I get, I get Trey up here, and I would say, okay, Trey. I'm going to get on one side. You get on the other. And let's pick this thing up together. And so Trey and I both grab, a, pay close attention to this. We grab a hold of the bar together. And we pick that thing up. Together. What happened? Trey came along and he was the Pericletos to me. He helped me. I didn't say, Trey, pick up the 800 pounds. Because I'm supposed to pick that up. I say, Trey, grab a hold of it and take a hold of it with me because together we can make it happen. Are you following me? Got to follow that. So the Holy Spirit's our helper. He's not our doer. And he can help us. He can help us win battles in this, this place that we're, we're living in. Truth number two is the Holy Spirit can help you pray. The Holy Spirit can help you pray. We don't live on a playground. We live where? On a what? Battleground. Uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to go over a little bit this morning on my time. I'm doing my best, okay? The Holy Spirit can help you pray. Romans 8, 26. We said what? Prayer is one of the primary tools that we have for winning the battles. It's language, amen? It says Romans 8, 26 is in the same way the Spirit, watch this. There it is again. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He does what? He helps us in our weakness. Paul, what is the weakness? What is the weakness that he's supposed to be helping us with? Here's what he says. When we do not know how to pray as we ought, to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groanings. In other words, here's the Holy Spirit. He says this. He said, when we don't know how to pray as we what, we what, should, the Holy Spirit comes along with us, what, and he doesn't do it. What does he do? He grabs a hold and takes a hold what? With us. But it's not with, it's not with this, this language. It's not just as we're, we don't know how to pray with our, 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 our we don't know how to pray. So, so what, what, we're, we're at a place of weakness. And if we're a place of weakness, the enemy has an advantage. Can somebody say amen to that? And so here, Paul was just showing us the Holy Spirit is here to help us when we don't know how to pray, that he's here to help us. Because even though we don't know how to pray as we should, we still need to what? We still need to what? Pray. Because when we pray, things happen. God moves. We can have that confidence. Can somebody say amen to that? But First John, First John says. So if we don't have to pray with as we should, what else? How else do we pray? Well, there's this thing called spiritual language that God has made available to us through the Holy Spirit. And you heard the kids; they're very excited about that. <laughs> like, yes, spiritual prayer language. 
Now, again, there's a lot of confusion about this. And, and there, were, there was actually more confusion after Acts 2. Because there was more confusion in this church's area, the church called Corinth. Corinth. This great church there. And, and, and there, were, there, there, were, there, were, there were tongues and stuff that was going on there. There's confusion. That's one of the reasons that Paul, the apostle, wrote 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. It's because there was some confusion there, and he just wrote and talked about how to deal with the confusion. Here, 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 is, here is what, here's what he said. and Here's where the confusion was, and I'm going to quickly talk about this, just briefly. Go back and read in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. I don't have time to go into it this morning. Just please trust me. Go and read this. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And when you go back and read in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, you'll see that there are three functions of tongues. Three. Three. Number one, there was tongues as a sign. That's what happened in Acts 2. Tongues as a sign. Because they were, they were, they were speaking in tongues, and the Bible says in Acts 2 that in their, own, in, their, in their heart, they heard God being glorified in their own language. In other words, nobody translated it for them. Nobody interpreted for them. Tongues is a sign. He talks about it there. The second thing, uh, second function of tongues is, is tongues and interpretation of tongues. Go back and read it. That's in a corporate setting, and, and, and that's when someone may give a tongue and someone would translate that or interpret that. Let me just say this. The first two that we talked about there, there was confusion in the church and at Corinth, and Paul brought clarity to that. Now, the first two there, listen, we have no control over that. That's what the, that's what the Holy Spirit initiates. And I, to be honest with you, I, don't, I can't turn it on or off, and I don't know why we don't see more of it today in the church. I don't. I've got my opinion, but I, I, I don't. And I'm not even going to say, I can give you an answer to that. All I know is that they are still real. They're still for today. I don't know why we're not seeing more of it today in the church. I'm not sure, but that's up to God. Can somebody say amen to that? But here's what I do know. There's the third, and that's tongues for a prayer language. And listen to me, that's for everybody. Tongues is a prayer language, and that's for everybody. And tongues as a prayer language is something that we initiate once we've accepted that gift. We initiate that. When would we initiate that? Well, when we don't know how to pray as we should. Are you following that? When we don't know how to pray as we what, should, we initiate that. That's the reason Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. In other words, where's the Holy Spirit at? He's on the inside and he's doing what? He's helping. When we don't know how to pray as we should, for when, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind, my understanding is unfruitful. Fruitful. Let me just say it this way. My brain cannot figure it out. One of the greatest piece of advice my dad ever gave me, spiritual advice, was, John, there are things about God that you're not going to figure out. Because if that, wasn't the, if that weren't the case, then that would cause him not to be God. Are you following me? I don't know about you, but I don't want to serve a God that I can figure every detail of everything about. I, I don't want to serve a God that fits in my brain. Are you following me? Do you? No, right? But, but he said, my mind is unfruitful. So verse 15 says, so what shall I do? It's just Paul talking. This is the man. This is the apostle. He said, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. In other words, I'll pray with my spirit. In other words, I'm going I'm to initiate the Holy Spirit come along and helping me. But then also, I'll pray with my understanding. 
I'll do both. Not one or the other. I'll do both. And, and he said, but I will, uh, and he said, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So here's what Paul said. He said, sometimes I use my learned language to pray, to communicate to God. And sometimes I'll use my spiritual language. Sometimes I'll use my known language. It's the language my mom taught me. And then sometimes I'll use the language that my heavenly father has made available to me through the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do both. Everybody say both. Everybody, I know you guys are listening very closely right now. They get this. This is, this is so good. This will help you. So he said, I'm going to use, it's the same act. You're praying just different languages. So what's happening when a person prays in the Spirit? What happens when, that, when the Holy Spirit comes along and, and people begin to speak in this language that nobody else can understand? The person next to him or whatever, may not can understand that. What, what, what's, what's, what's happening? Well, what's happening is, is there's alignment that's taking place because the Holy Spirit's coming along. He's coming along and he's helping, he's helping align our words. and He's helping us feel uh, this language that we have with something very important and that is God's purpose and God's will. L- listen to what Romans 8.27 says. 8.26, right? Uh, 8.27 says, uh, And he, the Holy Spirit, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, watch this, intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So this language that we have available, this spiritual language that we have available, what's happening is when we begin to pray, when the Holy Spirit begins to help us pray, when we don't know how to pray. By the way, I don't know how many times this has happened to Pastor John. I'm like, God, I have no idea how to pray. I prayed with my brain. I prayed every way I know. But I was this confidence that says, you know what? Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. I don't know how to pray about this any longer. I prayed until my prayer's out. Just pray with, uh, help me, Holy Spirit. So I just simply said, all right, I'm going to use my prayer language now. You know what happens? It's like, you know what? I'm so confident because I know I might not even understand what I'm saying. But the beauty of it is the Holy Spirit. Watch this. The Holy Spirit comes along. Watch, this is so awesome. And he infuses, he infuses the will of God into our words. He merges those together. And what happens is when, we, when we're praying in a, in, a, in a language that we don't understand, it doesn't matter that we don't understand it. What matters is our Father understands it. And I want to say this. The enemy hates this. He hates it. There's so much confusion in the church today over it. He hates it. Grace, way to explain this, and, and I'm going to wrap up here in just a minute, I promise. I'm going over a little bit. Is this okay? Yeah. Story, in the, uh, story that I love, based on a true story, World War II, um, we were uh, fighting on two fronts, the German front and the Japanese, the Asian front, the Pacific front, I should say. And, and uh, fighting Japanese, Japanese were just incredible soldiers. And what was happening is that we, we really weren't doing very well. We were really struggling as a nation against the, the, the Japanese. And the reason that we were struggling is every code that we had for communication, they would break it. Every code we had, they would break it. And so we, we were just at a loss. At, at, and our leadership was at a loss. We were like, what do we do? We can't communicate without them knowing what we're saying, what's going on. So they came up with this genius idea. They, they, they came up with the idea that go, go grab some of the Navajo Indians. Go grab some of the Navajo Indians. So they got the Navajo Indians and they said, look, here's what we need you to do. We need you to use your language to communicate because um, the Japanese are breaking our codes. So we've got to communicate, but we just need different language. And the beauty of this was the Navajo language was known as a dead language. Nobody else knew it outside the Navajo Indians. It's a movie called Wind Talkers. Remember, that was based on these guys. 
True story. And so what would happen, what would happen is, is that the commander on this end, this end would talk to a wind talker, and, and he would say, hey, uh, we, we need to move some soldiers over here. So then, then the Navajo Indian, then the soldier that was also Navajo Indian, would say that in his language, and on the other end, there was another Navajo Indian. And he would hear it in his language, and then he would take and translate that and hand it to his commander in a known language. And you know what? The Japanese never broke the code for the rest of the war. That is a beautiful picture of what it means to pray in the Spirit. It's a beautiful picture because, listen, when you're praying in, in the Spirit, you're praying in your, with your prayer language, listen to me. What's happening is, is, is that, that, that the Holy Spirit, He knows. God the Father knows. They're, they're synced. And it's synced through this language that goes up from your heart and from your inner man because the Holy Spirit is helping you pray. That's the reason that the enemy hates tongues and the potential for every believer to speak in it, he detests and he hates it. I'm wrapping up this morning. Is is this doing okay? I know I'm kind of teachy this morning. This is pretty teaches. Some people are like, oh, Pastor John, we like it deep. Here you go. We're going deep. People say, I didn't know. I don't know if Pastor John's a deep preacher. Well, I can go deep if I want to. If I need to. I'll, don't make me go deep. I'll go. <laughs> Just having fun. Beauty of this is that God responds to your prayer. God responds to that prayer when the Holy Spirit helps us. Romans 8, 28. People quote this all the time, and I think, I think we misquote it in the context. We misquote it. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things, uh, excuse me, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. In other words, I hear people say, well, you know, God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We hear that all the time, right? But you forget a very important word at the very beginning, and it's the word and. And. Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26 when I don't know how to pray as I should, who comes along and helps? Who comes along and helps? He comes along and helps. Right? 8, Romans eight twenty seven. He helps by, because the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God, knows the heart of God, knows the will of God. He lives in you. He's not speaking mysteries. He's speaking what the Father can hear. Infuses that when we use our tongue, we use our mouth. Everybody listen to me. Listen, when people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that prayer language, it's available. Everybody listen to me. And and in just a few moments, if you want to be prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the chance here this morning. You're going to get it. You're not walking out of here without getting the chance. I would not do that to you. But when, 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 when the individuals pray with you, you've never spoken that prayer language before, you, you have to use your mouth. It's like, Holy Spirit's going to come on me and I'm just going to, he's going to take over. No, he's not the doer. He's the helper. He's not the doer. He's the what? He's the helper. You have to use your mouth. It's your language. And we all know you got one. You're natural and we know you got that, right? You have to use, you have to use that. All right? But then at verse 28, it says, and we know all things God works for what? The good. Why? It's because the Holy Spirit's helping us pray. 
the Holy Spirit's helping us pray. That's why all things work out for the good. Because God can begin to move. God can begin to move in our life because we can pray when we don't know how to pray with our understanding. We can pray, and, and we're praying God's perfect will out. And it's so powerful, and the enemy can't stand it. Now listen, oh gosh, I keep apologizing for going over, but just bear with me. Who'll give me five more minutes? Some, some people are like, I'm not raising my hand because I know that trick. I'm sorry. But you ought to try to get up here and take about 35 minutes and try to get all this in. You know what I'm saying? But, but listen to me. Some people, they'll go, you know what? That is strange. Strange. That the Holy Spirit can help me with. I got this language, and that's, I can speak this language that I don't understand, but God understands it. That's strange. It's hard for me to believe that. That's weird. That's strange. That's strange. But you know, it's, it's strange that a young lady just doing life, and one day this angel appears to her. Says, Hey, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Problem, Gabe. I'm not married. This is not going to be just a natural thing, Mary. This is going to be the supernatural conception. That's strange. That's odd. Then, then the baby grows up, and, 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 and he grows up, and he claims he's the Messiah. Not as he claim, he really is the Messiah. And he dies on a cross because he needs to pay our sin bill. But you know what? He doesn't stay dead. Three days later, he rises again. That's strange. It's odd. It's weird. And then, and then, and then he hangs around for a little bit, kind of gets everybody lined down on what they're supposed to do, and then he just takes off and goes to heaven. That's weird. Strange. And then he's going to come back one day. That's weird. But here, here's my point. Everybody in the room, probably everybody in the room believes that. And trust that. Why can't you trust the same thing about the Holy Spirit? Because you got it out of the Bible. You believe that and you trust that. That's the reason. Listen to me. In everything that you do in life with God, it requires faith. It requires faith. I can't see him. You do all things all the time that you don't require sight for. Or detailed knowledge about. How many drives across a bridge? Ever. We run here. We drive across lots of bridges, right? Do you know every detail about how that bridge is made? Nope. Some bridges we don't want to know about. We're just like, I don't know. (laughs) Sucker hadn't been touched maintenance-wise in years, right? But nevertheless, you can't see what's going on underneath that, but you drive across it all the time. You trust it. Why can't you trust God and what he says about the person of the Holy Spirit? got to trust him faith is the substance of things hoped for the what the evidence of things what i see not see listen i pray that if you've had some con- little bit of confusion that you've heard enough of god's truth this morning it makes you go you know what that does make a little bit more sense to me but i don't have to have it all figured out but i'm just going to trust that god has made this available to me because the holy spirit lives in me and he's my helper and he can help me when i don't know how to pray which happens a lot